to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, good morning, and welcome to another episode of EST, the podcast for established church leaders by established church leaders. My name is Josh King. I'm on the line right now with Sam and Micah. How are you guys? Well, being on the line is better than being on the hook, I guess. I guess so. Just depends. Yeah, and speaking of being on the line, I guess I don't sound as good because I'm literally coronavirus in it up here at home without my microphone. So, uh, mm. I sound a little bit like I'm on a, <clears throat> on a phone, I guess. But for clarity, you don't have coronavirus. I do not. Not that I'm aware of anyway. No, I'm just chilling out at home. I got my windows open listening to the birds chirp. I think most of us have already had it. That's my opinion. Josh is is on that train. I've I've watched that. um, I'm recording at home as well, which is unusual for me, on my wife's desk with my wife's mic, which is the same mic that we normally use. However, I'm not in a room with all the uh, padding, with all the sound baffling, so... It sounds a little echoey to me. Well, I was going to say, do you normally <laughs> do you normally record from a padded cell, John? I'm, I'm normally <laughs> locked in a padded room. It's a cinder block room with pads all over. Well, we know what they do with their pastors in Arkansas, I guess. That's right. <laughs> That's right. You got to keep us. Do keep with us. them or do to them? Yeah, well, um, they, yes. <laughs> both. So you those, guys prepos- feel- those prepositions are tricky little things. Currently right now, um, neither of you have a fever, right? And we are hundreds of miles away, so we can record this. No, we're we're pretty healthy down here. And actually in Florida, you know, we're the third most populous state and mm-hmm. we we haven't been all that hard hit. I mean, I hate to say that because, you know, there are people who get sick and sure. there are people who have passed. But in terms of just raw stats, yeah, we're doing – actually, in my county in particular, we were one of the first counties to report a case nationally even. Mm-hmm. And I thought for sure that Manatee County would be, you know – just you know one of the worst hit and actually we're we're lagging behind the rest of the united states which is a good which is a good thing so we have a an interesting topic to talk about we're going to talk about the sacraments online um and whether or not you can take them i hate using the word sacraments because they don't they don't give grace but the ordinances of the church and i'm okay uh, with sacrament actually not not because my theology is one in which grace is conferred but um, I, I like the term, and I think it, yeah, it's sacred. So, so I mean, there's you know, there's something to it. It's, it's wow. just all in how you define it. Yeah, I like that, and I'll bring that back up in a minute when we start. It's talking very about emerging of these me things are <laughs> to want to redefine terms, right? especially since I know your position on this. Um, I'm going to bring that back up. How you're just using that, however you want to. So, um, but first, tell us about church initiative. Yeah, and you know, I've been we message with church initiative, email th- those sorts of things, and I'm just the more I get to know them, the more impressed I am with just how they care for churches, and especially as you were trying to minister to your church in uh, the Corona world, uh, they've really stepped up. So I'm I'm just thankful they're a sponsor. I'm thankful that uh, we have them uh, just in our world. Um, even with this crisis going on, Church Initiative's mission hasn't changed. They want to equip the members of your church to offer Christ-centered support groups for grieving and divorced people. Uh, they're committed to providing you with everything you need to continue doing uh, uh, ministry in this season of social distancing. Um, and 
So for those of you who already offer divorce care and grief share, we want you to know that they've made it possible for you to offer online groups at no additional cost. This is a big deal. So you can continue your vital divorce care and grief share ministries safely while still practicing social distancing. So they've got online workbooks, online videos, online discussions, free coaching. Church Initiative provides everything your church needs. And so and if you want to start a grief share or divorce care group, your church will be able to offer online groups as well. This is very important. So you can learn more about all of their effective and good ministries at churchinitiative.org slash EST. Again, churchinitiative.org slash EST. Go check them out. That's you know, right. and I was thinking about this, y'all, when it comes to the social distancing and, and, you know, folks trying to learn how to do groups and conversations online and virtual world. We've been setting the model for this for two years here at the EST podcast, right? I mean, we've been distant recording from a whole lot of different locations. And I'm guessing for those who are listening, it's just sounded like a pretty normal conversation between friends. I mean, this is something we can do. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You can keep it going. And um, by way of that, this is our 180th episode, which seemed like a big number oh, no. as I was typing that in this morning. It's just a, a lot 180. of 180. Wow. Yeah. 180. That's amazing. 180 episodes. My gosh, man. Goodness. I didn't know that we would have enough to fill up like 80 episodes, let alone. Oh, that's a lot of hot air, Josh. <laughs> Actually, I, I like to talk, so it doesn't surprise me we that I could like fill up talk. 180 episodes. <laughs> I, I don't know if what I say is quality, but it, there's certainly quantity that comes out of my mouth. Well, it is worth what we charge for it. So, that is, uh, <laughs> that's a good, good, you're, point. Get, good you're point. getting a good deal. Micah, set up the topic for us. Yeah, so you know, as we think about um, uh, as we think about COVID nineteen, and we think about all sort of the tricky ramifications, um, one of those big questions that's come up is as we're sort of gathering virtually, does gathering virtually also allow for the practice of the ordinances or the sacraments, depending on how you how you frame them? Basically, we're talking about baptism and the Lord's Supper. Is it okay mm-hmm. to do baptism and the Lord's Supper? Um, virtually, and and I think even among the three of us, there's a little bit of I, I don't know that I would call it disagreement, but maybe different ways of applying this in our in our churches, right? I mean, we're for each other, and nobody's nobody's we're doing it differently in our churches, but nobody's upset at the other. You're, you're so diplomatic, Micah. Josh is wrong. Let's just <laughs> Sam, be do you Josh want to is a fight? Sam's an idiot. <laughs> yeah, Sam's a yeah. Sam's a liberal. I'm just going to stand in the middle of you two. Actually, I'm pretty sure Sam's taking the more conservative position, Josh. That's, but that's not how this too, works. You just scream I'm, liberal if you disagree with somebody. Okay, listen, you guys know me. All right, don't call me a liberal. Don't call me a conservative. I'm neither of those things. I'm a pure pragmatist. You all right, I'm a rainer. This is our mm-hmm. reputation. Mm-hmm. We're we're just pr- pure pragmatists. Well, for we're, the record, I'm conservative. Works. So no, I was going to say, Sam is a millennial and doesn't want any labels put on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> he wants to be whatever he wants to be. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, um, just rapid fire, Sam, are you going to practice the, um, are you going to obey the Lord Jesus Christ and regularly practice the ordinances during this time? Man, I, I love the way you phrased that question. We are not practicing. Right. Not obeying the Christ. Or, we, we are not Micah. going to practice the ordinances while we are ungathered. Micah, will you stand in defiance to our Lord and Savior and not practice what he told us to do during this time? We are going to. See, here's how this becomes a tricky issue for you, Josh. You mm-hmm. added the three little words during this time, which mm-hmm. is an extra biblical phrase. 
So I'm going to do absolutely what the Lord called us to do, and we are going to practice this with regularity, but that will not happen over the next two a month or two until we are gathered back together in physical location together again. Yeah. Yeah, adding, you know, adding extra words to questions and stuff is how people argue. That's, <laughs> that's, that's how we're going to do it. Now, Second Baptist is going to do this. In fact, we are doing this the week of this recording. So, we have a Good Friday service. This is Easter week. Uh, we have a Good Friday service um, scheduled for Friday. Uh, works out that way every single year. And we're going to take the Lord's Supper at that time, um, virtually, I guess. And then on Easter Sunday, we have a... We recorded a baptism, and we're going to observe our guests kind of celebrate that virtually as well. So, we're definitely doing it. Um, I have absolutely no argument. I'll be honest with you. I have no argument for nor against it. If somebody said, no, we're not going to do that, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do it. I do have some, my arguments or at least my curiosities have more to do with the arguments, not the actual practice. I just don't find them valid or at least... Uh, able to stand on their own. So, I just enjoy a good argument, period. So, you're just picking a side. And, and well, you know, it. if you said red, I'd say blue and, you know, sure. we'll, you, you know, or My six-year-old is like that right now. He's in that stage. No well, matter what you say, he argues. My social aptitude peaked, like many men, my social aptitude peaked at 12. It's, you know, it pretty much stays right there and we just do a good job of hiding it as as guys, I guess. So, that's me. Yeah, I like a good argument. I enjoy it. So, Michael, what is the, I guess, the number one biggest argument for not observing virtually? Yeah, I, I would say, so here's, here's the thing. I think you have to break up baptism and Lord's Supper a little bit. So, we've just been working through this as a lead team at our church. And we, uh, we've actually written a statement and it's finalized this morning. We'll be sending it out to some of our life groups uh, this afternoon. Um, because we've had that question from some of our life groups. Hey, can we go ahead and practice this virtually? Can we do that? So I would say baptism and Lord's Supper are separate issues. And, uh, in this way, first, baptism, there, there, there are New Testament examples of baptism happening outside of the church gathered, right? The Ethiopian sure, like eunuch Philip. is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The Ethiopian eunuch is probably the, the pr- premier example. So there's some biblical mm. precedent on that side. The Lord's Supper side, though, you don't, there's not a single New Testament evidence or, or, you know, example of it ever happening apart from the body gathered together, including, um, you know, even, uh, there's just no examples of even like families taking communion together in, mm-hmm. in a space and room. And so what's been intriguing to me, a number of articles have been written for and against this idea. Um, you know, you know, whether we should do it or not. I, I've been going through it, quite a few of them, just trying to read as we've been thinking through this as a lead team. And it's been intriguing to me. I haven't found an article yet written by those advocating for virtual communion that has used scripture or theological arguments for the most part. They've almost exclusively used pragmatic arguments. Hmm. And uh, that's been a little troublesome to me, a little problematic in my mind. Right. But you would, you would, um, agree that your argument's primarily based on silence, not actual. I mean, well, no, there's no example say, no, no, no. of it not, so we can't. No, I actually wouldn't agree with that. I would say all the examples in Scripture are for the church gathered. I think right. your, your, your argument is from Physically. Silence. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. I think your, your argument on your side of it is actually an argument from silence. Well, the Bible doesn't say we can't do this. Right. Therefore, it's okay. And, and here's the thing. Let me say this. We even say this in our statement that our lead team put together. We absolutely affirm our friends who are taking communion virtually. I mean, we're not mm-hmm. upset about it. We don't think it's sin. We just think 
in this instance, when communion is going to be, I'm, I'm sorry, when the, the, when the quarantine is going to end, it's going to end in the near future. Uh, sure. We don't know exactly when, but it's going to. And the Bible doesn't prescribe how often you have to take communion. And let's be honest, in most Baptist and broadly evangelical churches, once a quarter is about all they do it anyway. So it's a little surprising to me that people are, you know, kind of up in arms worked up about this anyway. But mm-hmm. um, the Bible doesn't prescribe how often we do it. And the Bible doesn't command it. And there, there is biblical precedent for delaying the enjoyment of some of God's good benefits. Um, I would say like a sexual relationship between a husband and a wife is, is, is a one example here. Mm-hmm. Because this is not a long-term problem. This is a short-term problem. We are going to gather together again. To us, it just seems like the wise thing to do is wait until we gather physically together because we know that's the biblical model and take communion together when we do that. Listen, Jesus said, this is my body. He didn't say, this is my avatar. All right. So, <laughs> come on, Josh. Yeah. I mean, it's physical bread and wine they're actually going to eat. <laughs> um, but also, there are no examples in the New Testament of the church worshiping virtually. So, we've no, already right. crossed that Rubicon. Yeah. But I, here's the thing. I don't know that what we're, cause I'll just tell you at our church, we're not, we're certainly allowing for like virtual worship, Right. But we're not saying that it's the same thing. Right. And communion, we are saying it's the same thing. But with worship, we're not. Like, I I mean, I I don't, I think you can make a distinction between the two. We're not claiming that we're involving, we're we're engaging in corporate worship every week. I find it just to be like a convenient distinction. So, like, with baptism, we can make a distinction. With worship, we can make a distinction. But now this one, this one needs to follow the pattern. Well, but hang on. There are examples in the Bible of worship that's not corporate. There's right. lots of examples in the Bible of, of worship that's not corporate. So you can mm-hmm. make the argument that the worship that we're doing it right now is not inconsistent with a biblical pattern. The point is there's no examples of communion that's not corporate, in-person, gathered together. Mm-hmm. I mean, I see it. I can sit there and see it, and then I just turn around and I see it the other way as well. I, <laughs> I just find it lacking. I mean, because yeah. to me, we have crossed that that Rubicon. We have crossed that river. It is... Um, there, I get it. There's no, there are examples of private worship, but that's not really what we're doing. And as much as we act like, um, you know, well, it's just, you know, it's something a little bit different. And I would, I would argue that too. I come to that point as well. What we are going to do on Good Friday is not as good as I want it to be. It's not as ideal as I want it to be. Just like everything we do on Sundays is not what I want it to be. I'd rather us be gathered together. I also find that like, you know, churches with multiple services are already n- having the Lord's Supper broken apart. Yeah, but there's a dis- distinction between broken apart and physically gathered. And that's the argument we're making, is that every New Testament uh, evidence of communion is uh, physically gathered and, uh, you know, corporate sort of physical gathering. Now, let me just say too, Josh and, and Sam, both of you, that like, if this was if this was because of, I don't know, whatever reason, the church was not able to gather, and this was going to be a year or two years or indefinitely, uh, this is not a hill that I'm going to die on or anyone on our leadership team would die on, and, and we would certainly revisit it. Our, our, our point is simply, this is short term. It's yeah. not going to last very long. It's two or three months, maybe four months, something like that. And then we're going to be back together, and there's no reason to have to rush toward it when we know the biblical model is gathered together. So, in the short term, when we're going to be gathered together soon, then let's just wait. I think the other thing that is a factor in my mind, and we never had this conversation before, but as you said, there is no commanded um, 
regular what is what is, um how often yeah, yeah uh, with the, the, well, the do how, this yeah. as often as just, you do it right as often as they did it yearly and, and let's just be real once a quarter ain't often <laughs> right come on, come on you once a quarter people. i mean often defining right. often pragmatically there is so anyways the the regularity is not commanded so i get that i understand that i agree with you however i find a greater um uniqueness or tradition or whatever to annually at Easter time. So, to me, this is a time that I always do it. I've always, as I pastor, it is always going to be usually Palm Sunday or Good Friday, always. Um, so, for me, even though I'm now at a church that, according to our bylaws, has to practice this at least quarterly, um, that's fine. And if it wasn't this season, I would put it off too, to be honest with you. Um, if it wasn't Easter, I would put it off. But because me personally always practice this, around Easter time, then that's a little factor. Well, wait a minute. It, you always practice it around Easter time and your um, and your bylaws stipulate that you have to take it at minimum quarterly? Yeah, seconds bylaws requires quarterly. Wow, that's interesting. So, now, Josh that, King personally will always lead to at least practice around Easter. So, we just yeah, move sure. it. No, I get that. But, I mean, my point yeah. is you're going to be out of the gathered worship for at least um, a quarter. Right. I mean, there's no doubt about that. You're going to be out right. for at least a quarter, mm-hmm. and so um, you almost are, you almost have to. Right. Based on and we bylaws. we we really this this is leading into another topic, which I think maybe in our next episode we should address, which is what do you do with the bylaws when you're in a black swan event or a force majeure event? Because yeah, there's so no way that churches can follow their bylaws right sure. now. Sure. We're grappling with that. I'm going to have a conversation today with um, a legal representative for the church uh, because our bylaws stipulate uh, specific things about our quarterly members meeting. And mm. uh, depending on how long this goes, we may not. I mean, and our, our bylaws not only require the quarterly members meeting, but require that it's in person. Wow. And that only those who are in person can vote. I mean, that's in the Constitution. And that. Yeah, that's in ours as well. It's very likely that that's not going to be possible. Which is interesting because, um, you know, and I want to get back to the ordinances, but the um, the small business loan for a lot of churches, they are required. If any indebtedness needs to be voted on by the church. Now, some of those right. don't say in person, but as we all know, I mean, there's not there's not great resources. There are not great resources for voting online, you know, and confirming who's who and those sort of things. That's especially right. if it I would recommend not doing that. By yeah, the way, I would, right? So that I puts agree. you in a position in which you're like, so let's do this. Let's put the the, let's put this conversation on hold. Let's have this discussion in our next episode. All right. All those in favor. I <laughs> <laughs> love it. I love it. I yeah. love it. Opposed by like sign. Let me. And let me lean in, let me lean, because I think that's a very important discussion that um, as we get further into this, more churches are going to have to grapple with it, particularly with the uh, payroll protection program, PPP, um, which I just like saying PPP because I'm- I just like smirking every time somebody says it. I'm I'm six years old right now. Yeah. Uh, So, I I lean more towards Micah in all of this. Um, I, I think theologically there are- it's problematic in terms of doing the Lord's Supper digitally. Um, however, that works out. Although I hold mm-hmm. that, I, I, I hold that very loosely, um, and I am certainly not so firm in my beliefs that 
yeah, I'm going to start claiming heresy of other churches that do this. I, I think that's a bit extreme. That being said, we, we approached it for, we actually had this discussion at a, at a staff meeting. We're kind of split 50 50 on it. Like, do we do this? Do we not? And, and where we landed is, you know, how do we, we can't do this well. Like there's, and, and maybe you can, Josh, but we, we just thought, how do we, how do we do this? And there was no real good way to do it that we could come up with. So, we thought, then we lean back into, okay, you know, theologically, we're probably on safer ground if we wait, if, you know, we um, don't do this. And then, and then we came to our digital strategy. Our whole digital strategy is not trying to do try to replace all the things that we were doing sure. in person. Right. So, our whole digital strategy is completely different than most churches mm-hmm. um, and what's going on now with what's happening. Our whole digital strategy is, you know, we want people to long for the in-person gathering and we're going to do it. We're going to do things that enhance, not replace. So, we're not doing, you know, live stream services and things like that. We're, we're doing some different things. And, and so, with the Lord's Supper, it was like that doesn't – so, we have some theological questions. I won't say that we're firm in our belief there. We have some theological questions of this. And it's not even within our strategy. It's not even – we want people to long for the Lord's Supper, to, to not try to replace it, but to want – you know, digitally, but to try to get people to want to do this when they come back. So, we even had a little different approach. It, it, strategically, we thought this isn't the right decision for us. I can, I can agree with that and um, recognize it too. I do find – and we talked about this in the last recording – this whole idea that replacing things so we have lives well they're premiered services uh, we have pre-recorded services i don't feel that anybody feels that that has replaced anything i don't i don't feel it i don't think anybody feels it it's the exact same i always say it's the same thing as watching a sporting event on your television or going no one ever claims it's better or it replaced it or i wouldn't have rather been there everybody would rather be there it's just part of our humanity but I, I don't get, know, man. I know a lot of sports people that would rather watch things on TV than, than go to the game. Not, I mean, I like your everyday run-of-the-mill thing? I think that's true. I think it's not just the experience that does that, though, Sam. I think a lot of that is also the cost and just the difficulty of getting in there and that sort of thing. I mean, I, so I, I'm with you that I don't think anything's been replaced, Josh. I, our service, I mean, our people that I'm hearing from, they're all – uh, longing for and looking for our actual time to be regathered again, you know, in person together. Um, but I will say that we've been amazed that our, uh, we're trying to use the most conservative metric possible to mm-hmm. figure out how many people are watching our services every weekend. Right. And, and we're showing almost double our Sunday morning attendance mm. is, you know, in between a 75 and a hundred percent increase in, in those watching it. And that's using the most conservative metric we can find. So I think our, our people are certainly longing to get back and they're looking forward to it, but that, but at the same time, it, it is expanding our ability to connect with more people. And I think that maybe says something about how people are viewing the online experience. When, when we, when we bring up that other topic about what churches are going to do, I definitely want to have a conversation about these metrics. I, we are using, a very conservative one. I think one that's based in logic and reason. And uh, so 
I want to talk about baptism before we just, you know, close this down. I said almost dismiss, like we're gathered, we're not. Um, but this is just a cheap knockoff of our actual friendship. So, the, um, I want to talk about that. But I will say if you're counting the highest number possible and you're publishing that and then you're multiplying that by some factor, stop doing that. You're making us all look ridiculous. It's not. We're, we're not even, we're not even not trying valid. to count. Don't do that. As if it's the same thing. You know, it, because because if you promote a Facebook post, mm. if you pay, you get a million. Promote it, yeah. And but there are metrics that I mean, you that, can use. Like we have peak life. That's what we use. But like I said, um, let's talk about baptism. So, Micah, you began by saying you you feel there's a distinction there, and I love that because I hadn't heard that yet. Um, there is a distinction because there are examples of baptism outside of the church gathered. Um, yeah, and I would agree with Micah. Yeah, I think that's extremely you know, we, valid. If we could. I mean, if there was a way to practice baptism, if there was a real need for that, we, we would do that. We would not do the Lord's Supper, but we would do baptism. So, have you heard – where did I hear – maybe one of you told me this about a church that went – you know, this was maybe last year or something. They were full digital and your avatar can be baptized by the pastor's avatar. Like, it's a thing. I've seen that. Yeah, I've yeah. seen that. That's ridiculous. That, that ridiculous is the word that yeah, I would yeah. use. Yes. So I think physical incarnation; these things matter, and I think what we're what we're really tapping into is something where the incarnation, the physicality of ministry, the person to person, the being present matters. And for a long time, I think that has been cheapened. I think that um, this has implications not only into what we're talking about, Lord's Supper, baptism. But also implications into multi-site, into preaching, into ministry online, those sort of things. And um, I've always thought they're okay, but they're not ideal. Um, well, we don't we don't do video venue, and we won't do video venue mm-hmm. for for some of these same reasons. In terms I mean, of we do when there's strategy. an overflow, like on Easter last year, we we had a well, but that's a one-off. Overflow. I'm I'm talking yeah. I'm talking as a strategy. strategy yeah. right. I think there there is a big question here in that, and I, I've wondered this a lot. For the churches who are doing this now, who weren't doing it before, is there going to be a shift in their thinking about how to do, and are they going to move? Because, you know, there are some churches already that do online campuses. So they've got, you know, their physical campuses and all their multiple services, and then they have an online campus that they treat as like a fully fully functioning campus, you know. And so, um, is your philosophy, hey, this is something we do temporarily to get us by until we can all be gathered back again, or is your philosophy, wow... We kind of like this. We think it works, and we're going to move toward a more virtual, long-term. And I think the way you answer that question is going to have bearing on what you think about the Lord's Supper and baptism and that sort of thing, you know, even across the long term. Because even, Josh, your answer, you know what I mean about the Lord's Supper? You said, look, Mm -hmm. my tradition is to do it at Easter. Our Constitution requires us to do it quarterly. Those two things really have – but if that – but if it wasn't Easter, I probably wouldn't have us do it either, right? So right. For you, even for you, you're not saying like this is our new normal. No, you're saying you're saying I think this works for right now. Right, and um, and I'm and I think that you're really insightful in talking about like your view towards the online campusing because I still even after this and look, we've joked around about it. Our giving has stayed and exceeded what it was doing before, and our expenditures have gone almost non-existent. I mean, we had so much money budgeted for Easter, like a lot of churches do. We we spent a fraction of it, like not even close to it. And, and so, our expenditures went zero almost, except for staff. And then our giving stayed the same. And so, we've joked like, hey, 
maybe this is just what we should do. Let's sell the building, buy a little studio, and we can all office in a little area over there and do Instagram Live all the time. So we've joked about that, but we're joking. I still, my skin crawls, and I hope there's, I don't mean this in church campuses online are not a real thing. That's just something that I don't personally feel. There is no such thing as internet church. A church that does not gather does not exist. You cannot have, you may call it an online campus, Mm -hmm. but it is not that. Uh, Everything you do digitally needs to be a parallel strategy to your in-person, incarnational gatherings, your your ministry in the flesh. Um, I am all for new technology, doing different things, being cutting edge. But to say that some sort of digital campus, online campus can replace or be the primary way in which you do church, I think kind of it crosses a line. Um, I'm not so upset about it that, you know, I'm going to write blog posts on it, but I will make a comment on a podcast, I guess, <laughs> to say that's not the best. There is a better approach and I would not want to go down the road of, hey, this is our West B online campus. Uh, we're going to have an online presence. We're going to do things digitally, but it's an, a parallel strategy to the things that we are already doing in in person. Did um, did this situation change or shift y'all's view towards online worship, online anything? Um, no. No, the pandemic didn't change how I feel. It has refined our strategy. Mm. You know, we're, we're even – the thing is, is we're even asking the question because we want people in the flesh, in person. We're even debating right now as a team – we may not do live streaming. You know, we had planned to do live streaming uh, going forward in terms of, you know, hey, we're gathered. We've got a live stream, you know, of our, of our you know, services. We're even discussing like, no, I don't know that we want to do that. We, we, we're going to have a, in a, you know, a pretty robust digital strategy, but I don't want to replace anything that mm. could be done in person. What about you, so, Micah? Yeah, it doesn't. It hasn't changed our strategy, uh, but I have been really surprised by how number one, how quickly our church adjusted to this. Sure. And I do think you know the pandemic is one of the. If it, if there wasn't a pandemic, our church would not have, um, it would not have accommodated to this like they have. But the pandemic, right. you know, everybody recognizes this is what we've got. But I've been really encouraged by the response. People have responded really well to it, and uh, and and I think. That's been surprising, and the volume of people that are engaging has been really surprising. Those two things have really surprised me. But it hasn't changed the way I've thought about our strategy. Uh, I say, I'll, I'll say I've warmed up quite a bit. As much as I don't like the idea of church online, I warm up to some of those who are, they were thinking about this a long time before us, and I think they went too far. In fact, a lot of us are using a resource from a church that is got to be one of the most Church online, I mean, they have 22,000 services a week, they call it, um, but it's just a replay of the church online experience. And so we are indebted to them. We like them, but at the same time, um, I've warmed up to that. I will also say this, you know, we've talked before about how um, I don't have Christmas Eve services and um, we never had Good Friday services either. Um, not at second, at least. We're thinking of having, we're planning, you call I'm yourself sure we a will church. have it. I know. I'm sure we will have an online Good Friday and Christmas Eve experience um, just because of what we've learned now, the tools that we've got, the resources, and we're kind of excited about that. And so that's a little different shift for us. Any final thoughts? 
Have you guys, uh, how, how, how far down the road have you canceled, uh, like activities and stuff now? Way like, like, like summer activities is my big question. We, we are, we are, um, so at the time of this recording, um, it's still the second week in April. We, we have, um, canceled all planned activities through the end of May. And, um, we're holding out for June, hoping that we can kind of be back gathered. But what we know is th- there's not going to be just a jump right back into right, right. everyone together doing all the activities as was before you. It's going to be a gradual move. And so we're still hoping that we can gather mm. like for worship services in May, but we, we have canceled the extra, the, the, the outside activities outside of Sunday morning services through, through the end of May. Yeah. We, just we um, sorry, go ahead, Josh. I'm sorry. We, we canceled April, May. We're looking at June and July cross-eyed, but when the school district shut down um, throughout the rest of the year, there's nothing for us to say, okay, school's meeting back so we can meet back um, unless like, MLB starts meeting back, which they're not, starts having games. So, um, the summer, what we're going to be waiting on is for our governor to, the only thing we can figure out is when he says, you can go back to restaurants. I mean, we don't, and, and there's no restrictions on the groups and stuff like that. But until then, I, I, I'm not fearful, but I'm kind of thinking August. I think that that's when everything will maybe start back again. Don't know. Well, I was going to say, we announced this week that we canceled all of our summer events, VBS, yeah. youth camp, kids camp, choir tour, all that stuff got canceled as of this week. And part of the issue for us is not that it's it's not that, you know, um, finances, I mean, they have been down a little bit, but they've not been down as much as we're, we're worried about them. Mm-hmm. It's not even that we don't think we won't be able to do stuff in June and July. Our problem is we have to spend a decent amount of money reservations and in-person planning right now for our events that happen in June and July. And there's no way that's going to begin to even be able to happen until probably middle of May at the earliest. And so there's just, we just don't think we can pull any of those things off. Mm. And so we've canceled everything until August 1st, as far as the extracurricular stuff. I mean, we're hoping for life groups and, and our, our guess is that life groups will begin, will be the very first thing that comes back or small groups or Sunday school or whatever you call them. Right. Our guess is that's going to come back first. And then a few weeks after that, we can begin to gather for our worship services. Mm. I've got more questions on that, but we don't have more time. Um, We went over about four minutes, but we know all of you listeners are just sitting around doing fake church on fake online. And so, uh, so, you know, thanks to our fake friendship on our fake conversations. All right. Thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you next week. Hey, I'm Tom Rayner and I am sharing with you a great resource for pastors. I always get excited when I can offer something to pastors and other staff members. But this is stuff for ministering to grieving people in your congregation and community. As pastors, it's hard, even as in the role we have, for us to know what to say and how to say when ministering to a person who has lost a loved one. What you need is a glimpse of the minds of grieving people. And that's exactly what this resource, Grief Share, provides. Their free book, Eight Things Grieving People Wish Their Pastor Knew, gives insight into how people grieve, how they misinterpret their feelings, and helpful things you can say and do to help people through the grief process. Visit griefshare.org forward slash EST to download your free book. You can see it in the show notes. That's griefshare.org forward slash EST, followed by the number eight.
You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening.